0: church family. I feel like you should be a little more pumped than that. It does feel like spring out, but Merry Christmas. Excited to be here with you. If you see Miss Judy Burtles or her husband walking around uh, in the future, I would encourage you to spend some time with them. Uh, They're unbelievable, non-for-profit in our area. They're right here local that we get to support. Uh, We went there not knowing we would end up supporting them, not even knowing that they would end up calling Heights home, but they actually kind of call Heights home now. And um, we walked in and they were praying as a staff. Uh, And they were like praying, praying, um, praying like no one was looking, praying. And when we left that day, we were like, we don't know what God wants us to do, but the answer is yes. We want to do something with these individuals. Man, they love Jesus. They feed thousands of kids a day, literally, uh, in Zambia. They do unbelievable stuff there with education, and it's unreal. And so if you get a chance to just see them floating around, uh, I'd encourage you uh, to say hey to them. And so uh, I have written an 18-minute sermon for you. Uh, This evening, I keep wanting to say morning, but it is in fact uh, evening, so I'm going to do the best I can with distractions. Uh, Whenever David gave his sermon this morning, he had about, I don't know, 700 kids were in here probably. It was... Unbelievable. There were people like lined. I was like, none of you are the fire marshal, are you? Because they were like lined up all the way around the walls. It was a crazy town in here. It was super fun. And so uh, I won't ask you to stand as I usually would, but I am going to read uh, Matthew 1, 18 through 22. If you, if you want to stand, feel free, but I understand with kids, it's a bit of a mess. And so Matthew 1, 18 through 22, and we'll get after it. It goes like this. It'll be on the screen. So now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, that means engaged to Joseph, before they came together, which means came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, which we've seen a lot, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, uh, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, this is what the prophet said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is uh, the word of the Lord. And so we've been looking at this unlikely story, is what we've called it, each week. If you've been with us for, uh, the, for the, the month of Advent, for Advent for the church just means to wait. And so we've kind of created some anticipation and created some longing in this wait that we call Advent. And we've been looking at the unlikely stories of uh, some of the women that have come before Mary. So if you walked with us the last four weeks, you know that we hit Sarah, and then we hit Rahab, Ruth... Uh, This morning, David, Pastor David hit on Bathsheba. And then today, we get to look a little bit at Mary, which is Jesus' mother. And we've looked at how unlikely it is to have these women play the roles that they've been playing uh, within the scriptures. And so it's not an unlikely role simply because they're a woman. It's an unlikely role because during this time culturally for a woman to be the primary figure in a story or in a text, in a court of witness would actually ruin the witness of someone. And so for God to actually utilize these women right for who these women are, right where these women were, right in the characters that they had, the natural character they had, for God to use them and then not to remove them from the scriptures is actually a really big deal because he's saying, this is what happened. Like, this is what took place. We're not going to downplay the story because someone might ruin their witness. Rather, these are the actual figures. As unlikely as they might be, these are the figures that it took God to use to advance uh, his mission. And so today we look at the unlikely birth of uh, Jesus. And if I can be honest with you, this has probably been, for me, one of the most difficult stories in all of Scripture to kind of wrap my mind around. uh, To wrap my heart around, to trust in and tell just a few uh, years ago, and so I'll talk to you a little bit about what helped me with this story, specifically. Uh, but partially, it's because it's so unlikely—the story of an angel, an angel coming and saying the Holy Spirit has conceived and um, bore a son later on. Right? I know we have not as many kids in here, but y'all also know how babies are made. Amen. She had 250 of them here a few hours ago. I know how they're made, and so this story does prove to be a little difficult. But just because it is unlikely, does not mean it's unbelievable, and so we're going to take a look, just three points, real quick, hopefully, 18 minutes, Lord willing, quickest sermon your pastor's ever preached, don't clap, that's like insulting, you know, don't do that, three quick points for you this evening, unlikely commitment, okay, unlikely announcement, uh, and an unlikely savior, when we get the unlikely savior, we'll light that Christ candle, I have one job up here, it's not to preach, it's to light that candle, don't let me forget to light the candle. All right. Unlikely commitment. Uh, When you're ready, say ready. Ready. All right. Here we go. Verse 18. Uh, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. Uh, I love this here in the book of Matthew because he's very matter of fact about what is taking place here, although it is very unlikely. He comes out and he says, hey, this is how it happened. The birth of Jesus took place in this way. There's not any embarrassment that the author invites us into. He's not shying back from the truth of what he's about to say. He's being very matter of fact. He's saying, hey, take it or leave it, this is the way that Jesus came into the world. There's a confidence that, ha- that he has, that this author has as he's narrating this story for me. I want you to, or for us, I want you to keep in mind now if you know anything about. The scriptures, right before this moment, we have the genealogy of Jesus, which is full. It's ridden with a bunch of misfits in our family tree, right? Some people that wouldn't even pass the application process to get a job at your church, yet the Bible speaks of those people in a way, man, that exalts them and gives them glory, not higher than Jesus, but most certainly doesn't shy away from the reality of who those people are. And so there was a genealogy that comes before this section of scripture that is written with unlikely characters. And so this author, he's come out, he says, hey, here's the genealogy, take it or leave it, full of misfits, full of unlikely character, both women and men alike. And then he comes in here and he says, hey, and not only are they full of like all the nonsense that took place there, but also look at this. This is the way that Jesus came into the world. I'm not going to back down from that. We're not going to be embarrassed from that. We're not going to shy away from, the, from what actually happened in reality. This is the way that it took place. And if you can experience all those stories and profess faith in those stories and see the goodness of God in those stories and the glory of God in those stories, then you most, see, most certainly can see his goodness and his glory in this story as well. You can trust this story. He says this is the way that it happened and then he continues like this he says when his mother mary should be on the screen for you when his mother mary had been betrothed to joseph that's a fancy word for engaged before they came together which literally means before they came together she was kids you can ask your parents later what does that mean before they came together tell me the christmas story mom and dad before they came together she was found to be with child from the holy spirit pretty unlikely yeah And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So the author says here, Mary has been engaged to Joseph, and before they had, we'll keep it PG, consummated their relationship, it turns out that she's pregnant. But Joseph, being a just man, the text said, a righteous man, a, a godly man, decides to walk away quietly. This, again, is very unlikely. This is not normal for their culture. In their culture, this would have been a humiliating reality for a little Jewish girl and a little Jewish boy. You got to think about the story now. Like, Mary would have been a teenager. She probably would have been 14 years old, maybe 15 years old. This is a teen pregnancy that we're talking about in the scriptures. This beautiful little Jewish girl just trying to keep the law, and the next thing she knows, right, she's pregnant and not exactly sure what has taken place. You have Joseph, who would have just been the son of a carpenter, he would have just been trying to make ends meet. He would have followed his pop around out, trying to fix things in carpentry to make money for his family. Probably both of them, most historians would agree, would be teenagers during this time. And Mary then, because of her being pregnant outside of wedlock, she would have been just the laughing stock of their little village. She would have been an outcast in their village. Joseph, were he to stay with her, would have been considered a complete and total fool. They actually have some pretty choice words and names to call him in the scriptures when we read about Joseph. And so while he, he could have made a scene and he could have brought further humiliation, he could have outed Mary and been like, hey, this wasn't my doing. I don't know what's taking place here. So you're on your own here. He does not do that. It says he commits to resolve it quietly is what he says. He committed to resolve it as a godly man. That means he doesn't use words to hurt his significant other. She doesn't become the butt of the joke at all the parties or outings that they're at. He doesn't use it to kind of hold it or lord it over her, The situation rather, like a good godly dude. He goes, hey, I'm gonna step away quietly from this situation. He doesn't slander her or use her in any negative way. He's not passive aggressive about it. As a godly man, he reserves to step away quietly. Let me ask you this question, all the kids in the room and full of distractions, I understand. How would you have responded in this situation if you were one of them? Not good, good, says the kid up front. That's right. Not very well, pastor. Not very well. Thank you for being honest. Yeah, we would not respond very well, would we? We probably would not resolve to finish it quietly. There's many people that would not. There's a lot of reasons why they would walk away, but probably not because of reasons of godliness. Probably because of reasons of shame or embarrassment or fear. So how would we respond? Hopefully in that way, but probably not. Which leads into the second thing. What's he going to do? It's an unlikely announcement. Point number two. Don't get used to this, okay? This is, we're not going to usually move this quick. Unlikely announcement. Verse 20 it says this. As he considered these things, behold. Somebody say, behold. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, pretty unlikely, saying, uh, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I love how real the scriptures are. We've seen that a lot over the, this course of Advent as we've looked at stories that seem rather unlikely, as we see God using characters that we would not typically choose to be friends, let alone like some of the heroes of the faith. And yet it says he considers these things. Uh, Joseph is considering what is happening. Joseph is contemplating here what is taking place. I love the reality of that because if this was your story or if this was my story, the reality is we would be considering some things, wouldn't we? We'd be kind of trying to figure out, like, what is happening in my life right now? Like, what is taking place? This is not how I thought things were going to pan out in this Engagement, right? We would be literally sitting at the end of the bed, sick to the stomach, just wondering, like, what in the world is going to happen? What's going to happen to my reputation? What's going to happen to our finances? What's going to happen to the future? Like, what's going to happen? What is my family going to think about me in this moment? Some of you are not disconnected from this story. Many of you in this room have a story similar to this. And think about this for these guys. Like, you thought your wedding party was great, or engagement uh, photos were great. This would have been a seven-day party that the the bride's family would have had to pay for, right? Some of y'all complaining about paying for the rehearsal dinner. This is a seven-day situation full of drinks and full of wine, full of the finest meats. It would have been a big seven-day celebration, right? The uh, engagement photos have already happened, right? They're on Instagram and Facebook. The announcement has went out. It is very public on the story. Well, that only lasts 24 hours. People saw it, okay? The Pinterest board that they had, that she had is in full effect. It has moved from being digital to being very, very realistic and very real. Her whole entire family, Mary's whole entire family would have been present in this day. Tons of money put into this thing. The whole entire village would have been a part of this engagement party. Everyone's anticipating this marriage. Family have traveled from all over the place. Do I need to keep going on and on? And she finds out, he finds out, Joseph finds out, she's pregnant and it's not his. What do you think that situation would be like, realistically speaking? Right? It would have been a, a crazy time for them. I think Joseph had grounds to consider some things then, doesn't he? Just like we would consider some things. And so the scriptures don't hold back from the humanity of God. The scriptures don't hold back from the people of God having real emotions, setting in real tumultuous situations, trying to figure out whether or not they're going to respond in faith or not. They're not so different, us and them, are they? We have regular situations in our lives where we feel like we need to consider a few things. Perhaps you're in a relationship now, friendship or otherwise, where you're trying to consider some things. What about our families? What about our future? Should I stick around? Should I go? What about our finances? There's a lot to be considered this holiday season in the room, isn't there? A lot to be considered. And so Joseph is considering the outcome of this news and this angel appears. Seems pretty unlikely, amen? And yet... No more likely than any of the stories that have fallen within this genealogy. The text says, behold, right? It's a little bit of wordplay that we've seen throughout the book of Advent where the author's kind of toying with us a little bit. He's saying like, it just so happened, or wouldn't you know it, or wouldn't you have it? This angel appears. It's not the only time that an angel appears, but it is the only time that an angel appears as part of a gender reveal. Again, you might have thought you had a pretty dope gender reveal party, Right? cut the cupcake, you did some balloons. Did you have an angel show up? You ever thought about what it would be like to be like Jesus' sibling? <laughs> It'd be the worst, wouldn't it? This angel appears to Joseph, uh, and he says, the Lord has given your soon-to-be bride a son, and he's gonna forgive the sins of the world. Also seems and feels pretty unlikely, an unlikely announcement we could have said. And yet this is everything that Joseph and Mary would have longed for. It's everything they would have been contemplating in their little Jewish lives, just long suffering, long waiting for this Messiah to come. And this angel comes up and he says, Hey, this is what is going to happen. I have no doubt that Joseph in this moment had to be met with further things to consider, probably further grief, probably more to contemplate. I'm sure he's like, I don't maybe I just ate too much over the holidays and now my dreams are all infected, affected by that, right? Like, there's something that he had to be considering, the text says, maybe a little bit too much eggnog. He says, he has to consider this as he's sitting and talking to this angel, a very unlikely story. For me now, it took me about four years of studying this text before I could really wrap my mind around it, even as a pastor. It was actually during a Christmas Eve service in preparation for a Christmas Eve service when we were at the YMCA that I felt like the Lord finally like opened my heart up and mind up to like fully submitting to this text. And so what helps you get there? I think... What helps me, what me then to wrap my mind around this story is no different than what helps Joseph wrap his mind around the reality of his situation, and that's considering the reality of what's happening. Sometimes as Christians, we just need to spend some time just sitting and considering the Word of God instead of acting like we have it all figured out, yeah? And so I would sit and I would consider some of the questions that I had about this text, like why an angelic announcement or why did the Holy Spirit have to bring conception or what's actually going on here in the text, stuff I've written out in my journal, Well, here it is. For all the unlikeliness of this story, it is not any more unlikely than anything else that we've celebrated, preached on, sang about, prayed over, prayed about as a church, even the things that we've seen over the last four weeks. And So the single truth that kind of helped your own pastor kind of wrap my mind around this and be able to put faith and trust into the text is the reality of this. Salvation never comes by man alone. There's nowhere in the scripture where anyone steps into relationship with Jesus in and of themselves. They don't just show up and go, oh, I just want to follow Jesus all of a sudden. Many of you didn't just wake up and go, hey, I just want to follow Jesus all of a sudden. But you would say, the Lord sought me. The Lord reached out to me. He touched me. I heard him. Something was wooing me nearer, wooing me into relationship with him. We don't just decide to follow Jesus, just waking up one day to follow, but he does call and reach out. Why is that? Because salvation never comes by men or by women alone. In the last four weeks, we've seen God's hand of provision all over this thing, man. In week one, we saw Saren's barrenness, and God uses that to lead her to hope. In week two, we got to see the stories of God's faithfulness lead Rahab to experience peace and ultimately to see Israel set free. In week three, we got to see God using suffering through Ruth that would eventually lead to joy, but it didn't come in just that, those four chapters, does it? You don't know all the joy until the end of the chapter. Week four, it was an unlikely relationship that David preached on this morning between Bathsheba and David that actually led David to have a heart that was after the Lord himself, even though he was a complete and total misfit, King David, and also Pastor David. So, <laughs> unlikely relationship between Bathsheba and David, week four, that leads him to, have a man, to be a man after God's own heart the lord moved in all of those stories it was not just the men it was not just the women the women specifically we've been highlighting and so it here it is again and we have it again revealing salvation never comes through man alone never comes through women alone and so by the very hand of god himself god places himself in the womb of mary God comes down, he's not some God that's distant, out in the clouds like Dumbledore, he's a very near God, a very real God. He doesn't just exist in theory, but he exists in reality. The incarnation of Christ is what we celebrate. It's not just a baby in a manger, it's a Messiah that has come to reverse the effects of sin in the world. It's so much more than just, oh, he's cute and cuddly. It's like, no, he's the king of kings, and the Lord of lords, and he takes matters into his own hands, why? Because he wants to set captives free. The only way that you get to come into relationship with Christ is by Christ calling you, wooing you, inviting you in. He himself has to come down and give you that invitation and then you respond to him. This is that God. He enters into the story. He doesn't resolve to to fix the situation quietly, but rather he brings a great deal of disruption whenever he comes. It says in the text, if we were to read it all, everyone is trying to kill this baby that is going to be born. It is crazy what is happening in the text. So there's a lot of roles that humanity can play in advancing the mission, except for saving themselves. There's not a story in the scriptures where someone steps in and saves themselves. But the scriptures are littered full of moment after moment and experience after experience where God himself comes and saves. Salvation never comes out of the hands of men. But it definitely comes out of the hands of Christ. The primary contributing factor for the growth of Christianity, for the the world, is the way it is expanded in the world, is the incarnation of Christ. It's the birth of Christ. And then the resurrection, the reincarnation of Christ as he experiences new life. Which leads in then, who is this? Jesus, this unlikely savior. Unlikely savior. David is right. This is the most hard and distracting thing I've ever had to do. (laughs) New people are like, we ain't never coming back here. I get it. I wouldn't come back either, as a matter of fact. They paid me to be here. That's why I'm here. Unlikely Savior. <laughs> Unlikely Savior. Got it. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Verse 23. Behold. Somebody say behold. behold. There it is. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means what? Which means God with us. There it is. Unlikely Savior. What is this unlikely conception? Why does this unlikely conception happen in this way? Uh, to bring about an unlikely Savior. That's the whole point of the story. Everyone is expecting here in, in, in this time, in this culture, they're all expecting this knight to ride in, kind of this knight in shining, shining armor. He's going to kill the greco roman Empire, demolish everyone. He's going to reign as king. The Jews are going to stand in victory. That's what they thought. Uh, but instead, the Lord sends himself in the most unlikely and fragile fashion one would ever think. The most unlikely story, the most unlikely way to come, he comes as an infant, as a baby, fragile. And what's beautiful about that is, as unlikely as that story is, people can show up today and go, man, I'm a total skeptic. I don't believe in that. That's ridiculous. That's nonsense. Uh, It is one of the primary reasons that Christianity has exploded and has been the very root and foundation of everything you know to be good in the world. It has exploded in ways that no other religion has. It's exploded in ways that no other school of thought or philosophy could ever dream of. And yet it comes through this very unlikely story. Who's going to come to save and redeem the people? A baby. Very unlikely. And yet, it is true and it is the story we've been given. This vulnerable, fragile uh, baby will eventually be broken for the sins of the world. The one who is born into a wooden manger will make his way uh, through life into his 30s to a wooden cross. And he's going to hang and die for the sins of all of the world to fall upon himself. As a matter of fact, it appears uh, that wherever we share this story, that very story has had the greatest impact, greater impact on the world than any other story could you ever, ever uh, dream of. And so the question I have for you then tonight, we'll wrap this thing up. If this story is true, although it does seem very unlikely, is it worth professing faith in this Savior? for your redemption, for your sin. Uh, This Advent season, we want to celebrate this Jesus. Uh, And so we do so um, through closing out Advent by lighting the Christ candle. Uh, We would not be Protestant if we did not close this thing with silent night and candles. Please don't burn the new building down. That would be awesome. We light this thing for you all. We'll get rolling.